The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos, guest today, and one of, become one of our regulars, Bob Farrell. How are you, Frank? Very good, Bob. Hey, Bob, we're sitting here um, kind of, you know, beginning of July for the most part, actually almost middle of July, and we're you know getting all the numbers of what occurred over first half and you know we're catching still a lot of headlines on inflation and i figured it'd be just a good time to kind of check in with people and just give them an update on you know where things are at um what are the headlines really saying and that the word of the day is inflation uh, absolutely um it, good point to talk about this the cpi was printed today at highest ever at 9.1%. And I think that that has been the theme and the focus of the market over the better part of this year. Um, what's occurring is real wages are not keeping pace with inflation. So earnings are actually lower. And that number is three or 4%. So the idea of somebody getting a three or 4% raise with 9% inflation, they're actually losing 5% annualized. And I think that has been, like I said, a big theme of the market and how do we remedy that going forward? And so when you know, our listeners, you know, our clients, our friends and our associates uh, are seeing this, you know, the markets, you know, when they have uncertainty, you know, and we have uncertainty around interest rates because one of the things that the federal government does is when they have inflation, you know, raising interest rates is like tapping the brakes on the car to try to slow it down. Yeah. That, one of the, so traditionally the best way for the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate is to control labor and to control inflation. Um, both are really steamy. You have an, un, you have an unemployment number sub 4% and you have inflation running at north of 9%, which is extraordinarily problematic for the Fed. One of the tools that they use and the largest tool that they use is monetary policy. They increase the rate that they charge to banks overnight, hoping that the bank will then pass that along to the person lending and being charged more expensive interest for money hopefully will slow down demand. Um, that is the traditional model to control inflation. A little different this time, I believe, than what we saw over prior inflationary periods because a lot of what we've seen that is impacting inflation has little to do with access to cheap money, specifically the supply chain, specifically energy. Um, it's really difficult to control supply chain inflation and energy replaced with interest rates. So it's, the Fed has a challenge in front of them. And for an investor who's watching this, they're catching the headlines, they're getting their statements and they're like, oh my goodness, this went down again. It's a, it is a challenging time. And you know, we always tell people sit tight, this will pass and so forth. But the challenges you know, that come out of this is, you know, normally you know, people have portfolios where they have, you know, uh, combination of equities and bonds and so they've got stocks and bonds in a portfolio or they have cash and so for years cash has paid zero and you know so nobody sat in cash for the most part or very few people and so when all of a sudden we have this that's going on you know when the fed raises rates you know the first thing that happens is you know they look and they go hey i own bonds but my bonds now are trading for less than what they were because the interest rate is higher and the price of the bond is worth less today. That's exactly right. And I think this year, unlike any other year with 
you know, your average 60-40 fund, which is 60% toward equity and 40% toward fixed income, maybe 35 fixed income, 5% cash. Um, generally, those asset classes often move in different directions. That is, equities tend to go higher. It tends to be during an inflationary period, and thus the Fed tends to raise rates and their price of bonds are going lower. Um, conversely, in, in, in a recession and or stagflation, bonds tend to outperform because the Fed isn't raising rates. And there's an inverse relationship between bond prices and interest rates. And it's a simple mathematic equation, but how bond prices react is if a rate is better than what is your current interest rate, and that were to be traded in the market, even though the majority of our clients are investors, not traders, how I would calculate the price of that bond would be, what is the market affording for that rate today? What is the rate that you own on your bond? And whatever that differential is, I'm going to present value over the life of that bond and blend it into what I would pay for you. So not to oversimplify it, but let's assume somebody had a bond that is going to mature in 10 years that had an interest rate of 3% or what we call a coupon of 3%. The market's changed radically as we see, and now interest rates are higher. So that identical 10-year bond today, or let's call it a nine and a half year bond today, now trades in the market at 4%. Well, the investor who owned the bond at 3%, nothing changes with him. He can still get $3,000 a year of interest. The bond is still gonna mature and he's gonna get $100,000 back in 10 years or nine and a half years. However, if he wanted to sell it today, and I would be that new purchaser, I would say, well, what will equate me to get to the market rate of 4% because you have something at three. So I would, again, not to oversimplify it, present value of that 100 basis points over the next nine years. And I would say, I will pay you $91,000 for that bond today. Because even I'm getting 3%, but the difference between 91 and 100 will make me even. And I think it's important for people to understand that when you invest in bonds, short of a credit situation, you have to do it. There's a reason why it's called unrealized PL. And, and what's happening is, is they booked that bond to market, okay? And yeah. I'm getting my statement. It didn't mean the bonds are defaulting. It doesn't mean that the yield has changed, but they are actually worth less on that debt. It, it, it's absolutely. And, 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 and that happens you know, on any investment for the most part, that in, unless you were sitting in cash, you know, yeah. it's like same thing on your house. You know, we don't have what I, I kid about it. And I go, I don't have a Zillow meter, right. but on any given day, my house has different value to it. Right. But the only value that matters is the day I'm going to sell it. That's exactly. And the day you buy. And, um, and exactly. I think it's important for clients to understand that there is a reason why it gets valued every night. And the reason is in a brokerage account, People often borrow against that. And it's very important to see what their borrowing power is. Um, the overwhelming majority of our clients hold it to maturity. And frequently I tell them that, how come my CD that I purchased at Bank XYZ doesn't send me a statement? Because you don't loan against it. But if you were to walk in the identical scenario that I gave you, and it's a CD and it's not a bond, still a fixed income instrument. And if you were to walk into that bank the next day, your CD's worth less. Absolutely. Right? That's why when we actually buy CDs for clients, I, every once in a while, I'll look at a client statement and I'll say, oh, that CD is worth less than we paid for it. 
Because they're booking that CD to market on Yeah, they do. Um, the CDs that we tend to sell our clients are all negotiable CDs, um, still have the FDIC insured protection, but they're tradable. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest difference. But I think for the investor, it's important to note that if you purchase something, as long as there's no credit diminution, the, the institution is still going to pay interest. They're still going to give your money back. It's just an unrealized PL. And as an investor, uh, it is important to note that, yes, it's a better opportunity to invest, but I can look at somebody in the eye, and if somebody put $100,000 in a bond and it's worth 90, I can look them and say they're going to get $100,000 back. I can't say the same in a stock. And I think that's the biggest difference. And, you know, when we look now, as you know, we've also seen not only that our bonds year to date are showing that they're down. But equities have been as well. And the reason being is the equity market doesn't like uncertainty. They don't like higher interest rates. Mm -hmm. For the most part, and, they hate it. And, absolutely. And so they've had a lot of that that's going on. But we, you know, historically, equities have always been the place to be if you're going to be a long term investor and so forth. And so having said that, you know, I, and I always kid and I go, so if we thought they were good last year, they're on sale this year. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to look at it. Now, certain sectors are going to be more susceptible to higher rates, and that's why NASDAQ and the Russells underperformed the S&P this year, uh, because they tend to have more levered companies that have a higher growth potential, but borrow more. So they become far more susceptible to higher rates. Uh, this year, is a, I think it's going to be a challenge and will continue to be a challenge for the market. Um, I, I think that the Federal Reserve is on a campaign to raise rates. As we chatted about not too long ago, Overnight rates this time next year are 360, based on what it is, um, which given today it's one in five eighths. You're talking about 200 basis points more of additional overnight moves um, that, so Bob, are, that are currently pricing just, the market. What you just said there is very important, and it's important for all of our listeners, which is, so when you just said that, you're saying what the rate is going to be or what the market is, it has built into what rates are going to be six months or a year from today. So when we look at the value of stocks or how the market fluctuates, we're not necessarily always seeing what the market is worth today, although that's the price. Mm -hmm. The market is anticipating what it is in the future at six months to 12 months out, and they're already figuring in these rated hikes. Okay. The only thing that makes it worse for them is a surprise. That, that's exactly right. So. The idea behind what is really a two-year bond? You have a choice to lock up money for two years or theoretically invest overnight for the next two years, right? to, to leave your money in, in an overnight account. And what that two-year fixed rate should represent should be the indifference point of investing of here versus every single night for 720 days. Right? So when, as an example, US government two-year notes yield 3.2%. If I took a look at what overnight federal funds rates are for the next two years, it's going to average 3.2%. So this additional 200 basis points of tightening that we had just shared, that's priced into the market already. What will shock the market would be the Federal Reserve having to be more aggressive and additional tightenings get priced in, that will impact round prices. Or the exact opposite, where they overshot it and we go into a recession and they have to ease rates and lower the rate, and that can impact it as well. So they're, they're the drivers. And when it comes to valuation, as we, as we said, it, it has to do with present valuing the new rate versus the old rate or your existing rate. 
So present valuing over two years versus present valuing over 30 years is significantly different. And that's why longer term bonds have a much greater price impact for 10 basis points in yield than a shorter term bond. So, and the reason why we're bringing this up for all of you who are listening is we always like to give perspective um, during times when we see volatility, when we have a down market, uh, when there's a lot of headline news with regard to inflation. And so sometimes, you know, when Bob and I are trying to give you some perspective and some insight around what does it mean in, you know, in you know, plain English is, you know, at some point, um, it's like anything else. I always say it's, you know, kind of like a pendulum. At some point, rates will be overdone mm-hmm. and then they'll come back. Yeah. And likewise, it's the same thing on, you know, pretty much anything that goes on. And, you know, to per- to pick the perfect balance is extremely difficult, if possible at all. But that's the environment that we're living in. And so we're seeing these adjustments and, you know, it, we're going to continue to see this volatility for probably a few more months. I, I think at least a few more months, Frank. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting how this does play out. When we go back to talk about traditional inflation, and I'm going to use the car as an analogy. Five years ago, I would pay sticker on a car if somebody gave me zero percent financing for five years. Today, I'm paying sticker for the car because I can't get a car. It's not available. It has nothing to do with what my cost of funds are, right? So the Fed could cure the demand five years ago for a guy paying sticker for a car by raising that rate. Right. Today, rates indifferent. I just need a car. And that's how people look at it. They can't cure that with the supply chain and monetary policy. And I, I like to point that out as an analogy to people because scenario A was traditional inflation. That's how you cured it. Right. Sticker for the car today because I can't get a car. Because of and the Fed is really challenged with this. Um, I also think you know when it comes to inflation and how the Fed rate its CPI, consumer price index. The components of that, um, and, and I, I encourage you, it's on the Bureau of Labor Statistics website. It's publicly available. North of 35% of what makes that number up is shelter. And it is transportation. It's apparel. It's medical. It goes into as granular as food and cupcakes. That's how detailed this really gets. Yeah, it's how um, we live our lives. It's how we live our lives. Um, so we know definitively that transportation costs Everything that we get has to get to us or get to the food store or get to the lumber store, no matter what. Just the pure transportation and energy impacts that. So as energy prices subside, that impact will go lower. Most importantly, it's shelter. That there is something, it tries to calibrate what it costs you to live in your house. And the overwhelming majority of people own a home. And how do you say it? Yes, rents are going higher and that's in the number, but for the guy who owns a home, how do I say that if there's a calibration that if you were to own your home, if you were to rent your home, what would it be? So obviously as lower interest rates, housing prices going higher, that number has gone higher and higher and higher. And it's a fact, it's a calculation called owner's equivalent rent that is in CPI. Um, so there's a, a camp out there that thinks that as real estate prices stabilize, it could have a significant impact on dampering long-term inflation because they think a lot of what our inflation we've encountered has been because of housing increase. Um, I referenced that specifically because in 2008, in the housing crisis, 
Inflation was at 6%, nowhere near the 9% we have today, but we didn't have the energy situation. After the housing bubble turned, within 12 months, it was negative 2% inflation. That's great insight. So again, can, do I think that inflation will continue? Yes. Um, I think the Fed is going to do everything they can to control it. So it does. It, when people read that interest rates are going higher, it's important to note that it's priced into the market already. Um, but it, it will be a challenging several months for the Federal Reserve. So the Fed, just to give you an idea, they meet on, I think, July 27th. That will be the next. The market's anticipating an additional 75 basis points, and that's what's priced into the market. They don't meet again until mid-September. So they're going to have a lot of information to digest when it comes to labor as well as inflation to make that decision come sometime. Very good. So more to come. Absolutely. You've been listening to Bob Farrell, and this is Frank Congelos, just giving you kind of a little you know, monthly insight and a little update. Uh, outside of that, we are pretty much going to wrap up for today, and we wish all of our listeners a uh, very enjoyable, safe summer. Uh, we'll be checking back periodically with more updates as this goes on. And again, just remember is, you know, in anything that you do with regard to, you know, your investments and your portfolios and your finances, um, I don't believe anybody ever does a six month or one year plan. I think most plans that we've established over the years are five years, 10 years, 20 and 30. And when you look at this in that perspective, these come and go. This is not the first time, but you know it's never fun when we're in it. But we always figure that giving you more insight and updates is better than not. Yeah, so the more information we can share to kind of understand what's happening, the better. So everybody enjoy your summer. Uh, we'll be checking back periodically through the rest of the summer and have fun. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is a direct wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or CNA Financial Group, and opinions stated are their own. Diversification does not guarantee profit or protect against market loss. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Investing in the bond market is subject to certain risks, including market, interest rate, issuer, credit, and inflation risk. Equities may decline in value due to both real and perceived general market, economic, and industry condition. Investing in foreign securities may involve heightened risk, including currency fluctuation, less liquid trading markets, greater price volatility, political and economic instability, less publicly available information, and changes in tax or currency laws. Such risks may be enhanced in emerging markets. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Data and rates used were indicative of market conditions as of the date shown.
Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends are based on the current market conditions and are subject to change without notice. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. S&P 500 Index is a market index generally considered representative of the stock market as a whole. The index focuses on the large cap segment of the U.S. equities market. Indices are unmanaged, and one cannot invest directly in an index. 2022-140-942